Surprisingly enough, Kenny Atkinson is now jobless. Should the Knicks go all in on Kenny after the season ends? New York Post sports writer Peter Body joins us in studio to talk about the Knicks coaching plans and the final month of this lost season, as well as New York radio personality Peter Rosenberg from the Michael K. Show and Hot 97. He's coming by as well to talk Knicks and the NBA. All that and more next on Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Welcome to episode 21 of Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Kazoon Famiye, a.k.a. Kaz. You can follow me on all social media platforms, whether that's Instagram, Twitter, or whatever, at Kazim, K-A-Z-E-E-M. New episodes drop each and every Tuesday, so hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all those good places, a cup attached to a string, carrier pigeon. I don't care how you do it, rate us five stars and give us a nice review, because I always survive on oxygen and compliments. Peter Body makes his debut on the pod today, and my God, Peter Rosenberg from Hot 97 to WWE and the Michael K Show joins the show as well. So let's get right to it. You know, I love doing Big Apple Buckets episode when the Knicks come off a victory, and the Knicks got a big win against the Detroit Pistons this past Sunday, and they go to Washington tonight to take on the Wizards. But usually that would be a way to start off the show, but a weird thing happened across the bridge, Jake. Kenny Atkinson was fired, surprisingly, by the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday afternoon. And uh, with all the turnover going on with the New York Knicks in the front office, everybody in the city has to have their eyes on Kenny Atkinson, man. Say what you want about the Brooklyn Nets. He seemed like a guy that was doing a great job of developing a bunch of dudes that they really had slim pickings over ever since the whole big Boston Celtics trade when they traded away so many assets, so many players, so many draft picks. Kenny Atkinson kind of made, to since it's a family show, chicken salad out of chicken poop. You know what I mean? And uh, took those guys to the playoffs. Didn't you read that and you were like, what the hell? What? Is this real? Like, I was, am I in a dream? I thought it was one of those, like, you know, fake Shams pages. And I got to click on it and see the blue check to make it's like sure it's Shams real. Shams with two S's. I hate, they they right. fool you. Especially during trade deadline season. That's when they really get you. Exactly. That's what, that was the first, like, red flag. I'm like, it's not even trade deadline season. Why is anybody making this up? But it's legit. Kenny Atkinson, who, you know, usually you would see a coach getting fired and, you know, being people who follow the Knicks – we're experts in when coaches get fired. You usually don't get let go when you're a seventh seed in the Eastern Conference and you're missing two All-Stars. You know what I mean? So it, it was it was shocking to say the least. The Nets' loss could potentially be the Knicks' game this offseason. So we got my guy Peter Body in the studio right now. And, uh, you know, he's been taking over for our guy BOTP, Berman of the Post, uh, for the past couple of days. And he's been in practice and he's been in the trenches with the Knicks all season. But, Pete, it's been a crazy couple of weeks between the Spike situation and Leon Rose being introduced and R.J. Barrett kind of coming around and now Kenny Atkinson which is a native New Yorker born and raised in Long Island New York and you know is one of the most sought after free agent coaches now at the top of the list for everybody so I would love to get your thoughts on you know this shocking announcement that they agree to go separate ways crazy couple of weeks 
crazy two decades. Yeah. If you, if you want to look <laughs> it's at it far for the right? course now, I mean, right? I, I, Yeah, I don't know how it's much different than what we've had for the last uh, 20 years or so. Uh, I do. I, I think Kenny Atkinson has to be really high on their list right now because he's, he's shown that he can develop young players, young point guards, which the Knicks have a couple of those that haven't lived up to expectations. I, I think from my perspective, here's what I would do if I was James Dolan. Right. And Leon Rose, the new the new team president, I would almost try to go out and get a dream team of guys who are out of work right now. OK, so like, what's, if you what's have that coach- dream team okay, look so like? How about this? How about you have a coaching staff with Van Gundy at the top, mm-hmm. Thibodeau to mm-hmm. coach defensively and Atkinson as your development guy? That to me would be the dream team of. But of Atkinson's Nick getting staff. a job. I mean, I think any team without a coach wants Atkinson. I think he's the number one candidate right now. Yeah, I think he should be. Uh, yeah. I think it's deserved. I mean, I didn't buy the whole mutually agreed to part ways. You know what that smelled like? That smelled like a bunch of guys who were looking at you and I've been to finals before and been to championships and was like, eh, I don't know if this is the guy that's going to be. It smells like Kyrie team. said, I want him yeah. out and they went out. That's what it <laughs> smells like to me. I will say this if Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving wanted Kenny Atkinson to be the coach. He would be the coach. That's the bottom line. And so whether he said, okay, let me go now, if I'm not going to be back next year, that's one thing. Mm. But, you know, if these guys didn't want him there, then he wasn't going to be there. That's that's just the way of the world in the NBA. It's been the case for a long time. Go ask LeBron James how many coaches have left. But now we're in another weird situation, just like last summer, where the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks are now going to be pretty much competing again for, like, last year was free agents. This year it looks like it's going to be head coaches. And now if you're looking at the Knicks and the Nets situation, obviously the Brooklyn Nets are the more attractive situation right now. But when it comes to the Knicks right now, like what – what do you go after? Because if you want Kenny Atkinson, you got guys like Kevin Knox, Frank Nielakina, Mitch Robinson that you see the potential in them and you want them to develop. R.J. Barrett as well. Of course. But, you know, if you're looking at the net situation, those are veteran guys, all-stars, MVP-level type of players. What kind of coach fits where right now? I mean, with, with all the, the openings right now, which coach do you think fits best for each situation? Yeah, I feel like the Nets are going to want to go after a name guy and Durant and Irving are going to try to push for whoever they want whether that's a Mark Jackson or somebody like that I could see the Nets going going that route for the Knicks I also would like a guy with some experience uh it's certainly not going to be Mike Miller and I think Mike Miller has done a nice job here you know since Fisdale got fired in December I think Miller has actually got the Knicks playing better at their 16 and 26 under him which isn't great but it's certainly an improvement over 4 and 18. It's weird it's almost he's been like kind of like a sacrificial lamb for the season because nobody has a a single bad word to say about Mike Miller. He's been a good soldier. He's been the the, the best best soldier for the entire uh, organization right now and he's still kind of being led astray but I do believe they'll, they'll have a position for him in, in, in the offseason, even if it's not as head coach. I would think so, because for me, the, you know, Miller, the players seem to like Mike Miller. He was an assistant under Fisdale. He got promoted from the G League this year. I think there should be a, a place for him because of what we mentioned, that he was a good soldier. He's been a kind of a good company man here the last couple of months, just kind of getting them through the rest of this season. Um, so I think there'll be a position for him. Um, but it's really interesting to, to me to see who they get to coach. I think finding a coach who wants to come here is going to be easier than convincing these big-name free agents to come here and play for James Dolan and the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be a culture thing right now because even, you know, last week we recorded an episode coming off a great win and Leon Rose being introduced. And then literally 20 minutes later, we got to record again because Spike Lee's on first take digging a grave That's for James That's happened Dolan. multiple times to us. Steve Stout yeah. did it. Why does it always happen on a Big Apple Bucket Tuesday? Yeah. Can it happen on a Thursday, Kaz, or a Friday? Because <laughs> Stout was on first take, remember that Tuesday, yeah. and it happened after. We're like, we just finished the damn show. Yeah, it was, it was incredible, man. And now it's at the point where – 
it's not about getting a name right now. It's about changing that culture. And, you know, Leon Rose, I guess, is the first domino to fall as far as changing that culture. Who out there do you think the Knicks could get that would absolutely change the perception of what people look at when they see that team? You know, it's funny. All you heard was how Atkinson affected a culture with the Nets, and then all of a sudden that was gone mm. after they got blown out last week in that in that game at home after the big comeback against the Celtics I was in there. Boston. God, that was brutal. That yeah. was a, it was Crushed. a mess of a game. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was a mess of a game, and players were not happy afterwards. So you could see that. I, I definitely didn't think he was getting fired. That you know, before coaching another game. And, um, like, you're still in the playoff race. Right. Like, you are the seventh seed right now. Granted, you know, I don't expect them to do anything as the Toronto Raptors for six, six or seven games. Right. But at the same time, it's like it's just rare that somebody, even any organization, as, as competent as the Knicks or the Nets are, you don't really do that when you still have a chance. That's why you play the games. That's why you get there. Well, look at it this way, too. They were 42-40 and 40 last year. They made the playoffs. You know, and then they went out, and obviously they got Durant and Irving and DeAndre Jordan and whatever. So you thought, oh, hey, you know, here, you know even with Durant being out for the season, you thought this was a, a step in the, in, the, in the right direction for them. But with Irving being out also for – the majority of the year in addition to Durant and also you have to you have to remember that they you subtract D'Angelo Russell off of last year's team mm-hmm. too so the fact that he's got them in a playoff position even in a weak Eastern Conference has been was really impressive they me. have here's two guys getting major minutes for the Nets and this is all you need to hear Timote Luwalu Cabarro <laughs> and Chris Chioza if you knew who they were before the season God bless you. You must be on Basketball yeah. Reference and GLeague.com because I never heard of these oh, guys. Oh, your name you like, is Mrs. Luaza. Yes. And you're the mom or, the, or the, the wife. The baby mom or something. <laughs> you don't like TLC? Don't go chasing waterfalls? No. <laughs> good reference. There you go. Mm-hmm. Peter, bringing in a little uh, TLC action. Now, let's talk about the product on the court because for the most part, amongst all the craziness, the Knicks have actually happened to play some better basketball recently. Defensively, offensively, Alfred Payton's starting to come along. Now it's on asset management mode, okay? We're going into 20 to 20, 21 season. Who do you think is the keepers? Who's the guys that are sellers? A lot of these guys are going to be on the open market next year, and they're playing for their next contract. Who are some of the people that the Knicks should be like, we're holding on to you, we want you to stay here? Well, this summer is not the free agent bonanza that last summer was, mm-hmm. and the Knicks couldn't get any of those guys. Anyway, they signed seven kind of second-tier, third-tier free agents to short-term deals, but there's not a lot of big names out there this year that they can get. I mean, obviously obviously Barrett's a keeper. Mitchell Robinson is a really interesting player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting better. He has he has a chance to set the NBA record for single-season field goal percentage. Yeah. You, know, you know who owns that record? Record. Oh, I know. Big Wilt, Wilt the Big still. Dipper. Exactly. I mean, man. there might be another record of Wilt that you want to break. <laughs> Listen, if you could ever break any any record with Wilt Chamberlain, it, you're doing something very well. Yes. Right. So, I mean, he's 20, year, 20, 21 years old, so he's a keeper. Look, Knox and Neil Aquina and Dennis Smith Jr. have not had productive years, have not advanced like the Knicks wanted them to, hope they would. And that's the problem when you're in a situation like the Knicks, when you can't get marquee free agents to come and accelerate your, your right. rebuilding. Right. You have to hit home runs on the draft picks. You know, this year, if they get another top three pick, you know, maybe they get a point guard. Maybe they get LaMelo Ball, which would be a super interesting. You know, I want to talk fasc- about that. Well, that would be a fascinating uh, situation to Keep see. Keep the balls away see, from New York. To please, see the coverage please. To see the coverage of LaVar Ball if his son LeVar is playing in New York. LaVar sitting next to Spike Lee courtside is James Dolan's, like, nightmare. Well, oh, if our no. man, and if uh, our man, if our man Berman is putting in a call to LeVar Ball every week, that's going to be, oh. <laughs> be a fun Headlines, newspaper. yeah, yeah. clicks oh, well, coming. Yeah. I would love to see it. As a guy who's just been dying to see the Knicks take any type of franchise-chasing point guard, because you look at Lonzo Ball right now, people were kind of out on him for a little bit. He's I'm playing not sure well that, now that Zion's come back. He's, he's playing he's, very well. Well, and it's always been if anybody who's followed the Ball Brothers, like as much hype as like Lonzo and Leangelo has gotten, 
everybody's always talked about LaMelo being like that dude. And it's not just LaVar singing his praises. These are no, guys... there are scouts who think that LaMelo is the best of the brothers. Mm-hmm. And he's a 6'7 he's a point guard at 18. So who knows if he even grows another inch or whatever. He doesn't uh, need I, to at this I point. I know he's been injured in Australia this year. But he's, by all rights, he's considered the top point guard he in this draft. He needs to bulk up a lot. Well, he though. does. He, he doesn't have a lot of he muscle. He does. But you've got to remember, he's like, young. in the old days, guys didn't come in the league at 18, 19 right. years old. I mean, Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, these guys played college three, four years. Barkley... It's a lot to ask of these young players. You see it with Knox. He's getting pushed around mm-hmm. a lot. It's a big difference to play that one year at Kentucky and then come to the NBA. Barrett's, had, Barrett's definitely had his moments more so than more so than Knox has, so I think Barrett's a player. The only disappointment is, of course, the Knicks didn't win the lottery last year in the top two picks, Zion and John Morant look like superstars already yes and rj is not at that level yet i'm not saying he won't be but it's always tough when you get the third pick in a two player i'm gonna say he won't draft. be i don't think rj barrett will reach the level of john moran no ever. i don't think so not I, even, I don't know if it'll be that close not honestly. from what i've seen so far i'm not i'm not sold i'm not all, all the way sold on just giving up on rj barrett having oh, superstar oh no in no way he can no, be a I productive think, good nba I don't player think superstar you i don't think, know that but he's you superstar. look at john moran and you look at a lot of these these point guards i mean like that has a lot of torque that he puts in that body he kind of tries to take people's heads off every time he goes to but the But Jaws, what the NBA is right now. A- absolutely. It's those type of players. You need to have that type of point guard now in the NBA. And that's something that the Knicks have been searching for probably for the who's last been, 20 who's years. Been the next, who's been the Knicks' best point guard the last 20 years? Oh, my gosh. 40-year-old Jason Kidd? Uh, maybe. Marbury. I was about to say, like, <laughs> yeah, Stephon Steph, Marbury right. maybe? Like, Jeremy Lin for two weeks? For two like, weeks? Right. Well, that's I don't what, know. It's, it's been, slim pickings, yeah. Yeah, it really has been, man. Pete, I'm, I'm going to ask just one more thing, man. You know, we're going into the offseason, and there's a lot of things that the Knicks need to focus on as far as, like, taking this whole thing to the next level. And we know there's slim pickings in free agency. We know they're going to be in competition with a lot of teams as far as like head coaches what is the one thing that this franchise should focus on as far as putting the franchise into the next level well I mean they they need to hit a home run with this year's draft pick but they need a coach they need a coach who can establish an identity they've gone through this litany of guys right whether it was Dan Tony Jeff Hornacek was an uninspiring hire Fisdale was not a was not a inspiring hire as well um, so but who's had, the guy? I mean, like, if, if, if a coach is who they need, like, who is the Well, I think the, the guys guy? that I mentioned at the top, yeah, Van Gundy, Thibodeau, and Atkinson, I think one of those guys would be a really strong hire for the Knicks. And like I said, I would love to see the dream team of, of two or three of them together. I agree. I agree. Peter Body, New York Post sports writer, thank you for joining us on Big Apple Buckets, man. It's a great talk, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more fun stuff to talk about as the season draws to a close, man. Thanks, guys. A lot of fun. Thanks for the kudos. Well, Kaz, we're here. We avoided the coronavirus for now. We'll for now. S- we'll I mean, see what happens. They don't see me, but I'm in a full zip kit hoodie, so just in case it gets crazy, I can just, like, zip it over my head. But you are icy. You got the gold chain. I actually need to invest in a nice gold chain because I wear the to. fake ones. You need to. Uh, you is need that to. real? Is that a Cuban it's very, uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely real. I mean, I wouldn't put any fake jewels oh, on my neck. That makes me but. feel like garbage. <laughs> no, nah, uh, nah, man. It's, it, it accentuates the positives. It accentuates the positives. Yeah, man. I, I keep getting ads because I looked at one, and I keep getting ads now, like, gold chain shop gold chain shop 12 and a half mm i don't even know what these things mean i'm just like look real i don't care if it's fake just look real well, unlike well, the one i have well speaking of gold we got a we got a special guest the guy who's collected a lot of gold is in oscars how and much has ben affleck made in his life do you think like 800 million 500 oh million he, is that too much he's got to be t- he's got to be touching the good night he's definitely touching the good nine nine zeros yeah i think, I think you know? somewhere in the 250 million to like 300 i mean so. when you think about the movies I mean, that he's been in i mean what you got like batman and 
Batman, Superman. Those Batman movies alone, I mean, Daredevil does a lot. Daredevil, Dogma, which you love apparently. Love Dogma. <laughs> love Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Like he's been in some classics, but never has been in a real sports movie. He's Word. never starred in a sports movie. And The Way Back came out Friday. I recommend you see it. It's really an inspiring story about high school hoops and a high school coach where he went to play. You played high school ball, right? Yourself? Yeah, yeah, played. You were a star. Patrick High School. I wouldn't say star, but you know, I did go to the St. Patrick High School, the Patrick School, as it's uh, known as now. But yeah, man, high school hoops, especially when it comes to coaches. Uh, it is definitely Important. a special bond that you have. I actually ran to my high school coach this this past weekend, uh, Coach Savannah, who coaches the Patrick School right now with uh, Jonathan Kaminga, Noah Farrakhan, one of the top players in the country. Um, that bond that you have with your high school coach is special, man, and I think that's what this movie is about. You know, Ben Affleck kills it, apparently, but you got to talk to him. Yeah, I spoke to him, and he talked about coaching and kind of watching guys like Nick Nolte, and like he did a couple impressions that you'll hear in a second. But he talked about that role, preparing for that role and a completely different role than he's ever been used to. I talked to a bunch of bunch of people and then watched a bunch of tape, mostly of, of uh, like coaches going bananas. <laughs> you, know, you can look on YouTube and it looks like that's all they ever do is swear and throw chairs and uh, curse at the refs. But uh, no, there was, and it wasn't. I didn't want it to be like, okay, it's Bobby Knight and we're gonna, you know what I mean? It, it was, you know, we talked about developing the character and it was, you know, he was always kind of his own guy. I mean, obviously he was carrying some emotional weight and kind of working that through, but it was. Meant, you know, one of the things I liked about this particular coaching relationship was that the coach got as much out of it kind of as the players did. It was very reciprical in that way. Nolte's like the, a world-class, uh, you know, blue chip. Oh, hell! God damn it! I, God damn it! And, and he had worked with Nick, and I had never had, so I was always like, should we do this the Nolte way? It was like, what the hell is going on? Christ almighty God damn it! Jesus, I'm seeing my He's the best. You know, each and every week, it's always fun to have guests join us on Big Apple Buckets, but this one's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, one of my good pals. You can listen to him on the Michael K. Show each and every day on the afternoon drive. You can see him on Hot 97, and you can see him back on WWE hosting pre-shows and post-shows for the company. The legendary Peter Rosenberg. How you doing, Pete? I am fantastic. You are too kind. Um, I'm, I, I, this is a bad legend bar to set. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm giving you your flowers, man. A lot of people don't like to give flowers when they're alive. I'm like, give my man Rosenberg his flowers. He started this podcast-ish, and this is the thanks <laughs> he gets. <laughs> uh, good looking out, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here, even if we are talking about the New York Knicks. <laughs> sadly, sadly. Well, let's 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 get right into it, then, man. Last week was uh, it what should have been a joyous occasion for the New York Knicks because they actually won a game and uh, introduced their new president, Leon Rose, without much fanfare, without much first takenness of the of the situation. No big press conference, just a letter to the team. And then not even 24 hours later, we are in the midst of Spike Lee Gate. And Rosenberg, you are not just a sports aficionado, you are a hip-hop aficionado, so you know exactly how much Spike Lee means to not just uh, – New York Knicks, but New York City and hip hop in general. What were your thoughts about the way this entire thing was handled? Well, it was bad. It was real bad. <laughs> I mean, it, I don't think there's any other way to say it. It was optically horrible. And maybe worse than optically, it was a real look into the way decisions are made 
and, and the way small, quote unquote, small decisions, in this case, it became big, but small decisions are made and how much the, the Knicks are a reflection of the way things are at the top. And, you know, listen, I don't think any of us know exactly why it transpired the way it did. But like there was just some really basic etiquette stuff that in a in a really productive functional organization would be different. Like you know, uh, Michael K said it very well uh, on the show last week. We were talking about how this would never happen to Jack uh, Nicholson at a Lakers game, and how you know I, I think the actual uh, uh, example Michael gave was. If Jack Nicholson uh, urinated at, at midcourt in the Staples Center, they would pull out – I said they would bring out one of those, like, tents in the NFL to protect him. <laughs> and then they would escort him out and apologize for not having a restroom closer. That's what, that's what they would have done. So, like, the, I understand. Maybe, maybe there's a world in which Spike was told. Maybe an email was sent. Maybe his assistant was informed. Hell, maybe they actually said it to him. But what is the harm in the most famous fan you have? I'm not talking about when Channing Tatum's promoting a movie and he shows up. I'm talking about a paying fan. Hands down, the most important paying fan you have. What is the logic in ever trying to ask that man to get off the elevator? That is the part that just, it makes no sense. It shows a really flawed logic, miscommunication. It just shows really poor operations by the Knicks. We've been to New York uh, establishments together with security. Like, when we see security being a little too overzealous, especially to a, a customer who has been, you know, so tied into the garden and say it's like a club in New York City, you look at the security guy and you're like, okay, this guy's gonna lose his job. Like you don't you don't treat Spike Lee like that. But the Knicks instead doubled down and put out some flimsy like handshake photo from the Sting Rafters up at the top of Madison Square Garden. In addition to that, then they put out this almost childlike Twitter response that felt like it was more of a tweet than an actual press release defending the fact that they told Spike Lee to just go through GA or the regular VIP entrance that every other celebrity goes through. Like Spike Lee is just any other celebrity when it comes to the New York Knicks. What is it about the Knicks and just common decency that has just been super lost on them when it comes to protecting their own image lately? I think probably this comes down to James Dolan at the top and then as a result, people under him being petty. You know, I don't think Dolan is a bad, horrible human being. I really don't. I think that's probably overstating what it is. I think that Dolan is, though, a small, you know, petulant and, and petty person. And I don't know what happened with Spike Lee, but obviously there was an edict out there, right? That like this wasn't going to happen. For it to go this way, I don't know. I don't know where when the Knicks got that way. All I know is the behavior of the Knicks often reminds me of a, a team that I root for, the Washington Redskins, and another really small, petulant owner. I mean, the only difference is Dolan may be one notch worse than Snyder in the sense that 
I've never heard Snyder get upset of people yelling, sell the team or holding up signs or bags on their head. Like he's used to it. The stadium's empty for God's sake. Like he knows what it is. Um, Dolan seems to be fighting it every single moment, but they are the same kind of guy. These owners that it's not enough that they own the team. They, they want complete power over everyone and everything and then on top of that, they want respect and love, even if the way they're they're running their team doesn't really deserve respect or love. It's just a really fundamentally flawed team, and you hope that maybe somehow that incident on the on the first day of Leon Rose's tenure will somehow signify it, it's the last one, and things will be better now moving forward. But so far, uh, things have not been good. Your lips to God's ears, Pete. I hope this is the last time. Knicks fans and Knicks supporters have to deal with anything so petty and childlike. Uh, let's switch bridges uh, for a quick second. Shockingly, speaking of culture, a guy who built up a pretty decent culture across the bridge in the Brooklyn Nets, Kenny Atkinson, was surprisingly let go by the Brooklyn Nets uh, this past Saturday. I would love to get your thoughts on if the Knicks should go all in on Kenny Atkinson, who is also a native New Yorker, who has you know been on the Knicks uh, staff in the past. He was... He was the genesis of Linsanity. If you go and listen to Jeremy Lin talk about him, he sings Kenny Atkinson's praises. What should the Knicks approach be to getting the recently let go Kenny Atkinson from Brooklyn? I, I guess it depends on what team you're putting together. Like, I don't even know who the Knicks are as a basketball team. If the Knicks are, and it, it appears they have to be this way because they're not, the, the huge free agent opportunity came and went. If they're going to be building a scrappy team, with the pieces they have, they're going to be developing R.J. Barrett, hope, hoping to draft well again, maybe make one acquisition this summer that has some uh, impact. Then honestly, I think Atkinson's a great choice because you look at what Atkinson did in Brooklyn, wouldn't the Knicks have been, Knicks fans would be head over heels to have had the last two years the Nets have had. A playoff series against the Sixers last year that was competitive in the first round, followed by a, a season this year in which they haven't been as good, but they're hovering around and fighting for a playoff spot. Seeing who the Knicks have on paper, I think that's the perfect coach. You, you, you mentioned Jeremy Lin. You can look at what he did to revive D'Angelo Russell. You can look at the development of Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. But, like, this is a guy who appears to take talents and bring the most out of them, which is why I'm flabbergasted about the decision by the Nets. But, you know, you have two ways of looking at what the Knicks could do. They can either go big splash, you know, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, something that really is meant to almost put fans in the building next year just to see the coach. And I'm not saying I'm opposed to that. Or you can go with a sort of more sound decision, um, one that's based maybe very specifically in basketball. And the one upside I like about this is that with Atkinson, he's like a sound decision, but it's not like you're getting an absolute no-name. You, there would be some fanfare around bringing him in. It wouldn't be the same as hiring JVG, but it would mean something to bring him in. And, and for the kind of scrappy team they have, I mean, listen, Kaz, you know more than I do, but I, I think he is potentially an appealing choice. I think he's the most appealing choice at this point. I think when it comes to Kenny Atkinson, you got to look at the roster that you have with the Knicks and you know you're not getting a big splash in free agency. It's almost tailor-made for Kenny Atkinson to, to, to get something out of Frank Nielakina, get something out of Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, R.J. Barrett, these young backcourt guys that are still – 
barely even 21, 22 years old. They haven't even scratched the surface of what they can be in this league. And I think he should be at the top of the list. I'm not of the ilk of getting anybody like a Thibodeau, like a JVG, a guy who not necessarily has climbed the mountaintop yet. Kenny Atkinson isn't, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, he's not up there in age yet, is he? I mean, like, I, I'm not really too fond about getting a guy who's kind of a little long in the tooth so far because the Knicks aren't a one- to two-year project. Well, he's 52. 52. So it depends who you think is old and who's not old. Well, that's, that's a decent age. That's decent age. That's older a decent than age. Us. Older than us. Older exactly. than your old ass. <laughs> Fact. But, uh, Pete, let's, 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 let's get a little personal. Let's talk about uh, just the things that you've been up to, man. You wear a lot of hats. I'm, uh, you know you know how far back we go and just uh, how how much of a fan of just everything. You would think he's Jamaican do. and not Jewish with all the jobs he you, has. You know, he's got a lot of jobs. You know, we're, we're in the same elk. We're in the same elk, Peter and I. Uh, you know, he um, he hosts Michael K in the afternoons on ESPN. He hosts Hot 97 Ebro in the morning. You've been doing both for some time now, Hot 97 more more lengthy. What's the difference? Like, what's kind of, how do you kind of like switch hats from going to straight up hip hop to straight up sports in a day? You know, I think, I think you sort of said the key to it in there because the shows that I do are not straight up either of those things. So it allows me to really just basically be me because the morning show is not a straight up hip hop show, right? Like we talk so much politics, so many issues. Hip hop is the backdrop of us just talking New York life, etc. I feel sort of the same way about the K show, though I would say the sports is, is certainly more heavily woven into the K show than hip hop is to hot. In both, I'm like just a slightly different version of myself, you know, but I, I think I get to really just be me on both. So it doesn't require, I really feel about media and performing as a broadcaster in general that like authenticity is everything. Like, you can get away with so many defects if you are authentic. So I am authentically me in the morning. I'm authentically me in the afternoon. And I'm fortunate to work around people who allow me to be that way. So it's not that hard to transition, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky. Now, Pete, you've made a uh, last question I'm going to ask you. You made a triumphant return to World Wrestling Entertainment this past weekend doing the uh, pre-show for Elimination Chamber. And uh, we saw the press release. And you were gone for quite some time, man. Like, tell me what it was like to get that call back from uh, the big boys in Stanford and, and what that – whole uh situation was like now going forward man it, I, I feel like i've really gotten to like getting to go there the first time was always like a dream of mine and now getting exiled and returning i'm truly living the wrestler's life now i mean this is you know kaz you know a ton about wrestling it is so part of people's stories to be at wwe to leave WWE and to return to WWE. So I really feel that uh, it, it was a, a fun piece of the chapter getting to return. Like I, I, I was comfortable. I accepted that like it had, it was a good run and it was just time to go do different things and, and kind of look back at it fondly. And then uh, the phone rang and, um, and here we are. And I actually feel in a better space to perform than ever before because the first time, there was no way for me to not feel a little bit overwhelmed because, you know, it's almost like you wanting to go out with a girl so bad and, and you finally get the date. And when you're actually sitting there at dinner, you're like, Oh my God, I'm not quite myself. I'm, I'm in my head. Yes. yes. Um, and, and then she breaks up with you 
and a year and a half later calls you back and is like, Hey, I really want you to come back. Like you're great. You, you know what you're doing. And then you're like, Oh, I do. Okay. <laughs> so the feeling now, you know, when I showed up on Sunday, I had a different feeling. I, I didn't feel like a kid who was getting an opportunity. I felt like a grown ass man who's a professional broadcaster and has been for a long time who's here because I know how to do the job well. And I, as a result, you know, at least just my first outing felt really good. It was as, as I enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed any. Obviously, the timing is great. As, assuming WrestleMania proceeds as normal, uh, I will be ready to go in Tampa come April. I'm sure I'll see you in Tampa. I have the hand sanitizer ready if it goes the way it's supposed <laughs> to go. And, uh, man, Pete, you know what it is, bro. Like, it's always great talking to you. You can listen to him on the Michael K. Show every afternoon, Hot 97, Ebro in the morning. You can catch him on WWE now, Cheap Heat Podcast. He's a media legend, man, Peter Rosenberg. And my doppelgangers. So and, thank you, and thank just, you for holding yeah. down the ball, Jewish radio guys like me. Appreciate <laughs> it. Hey, listen. Listen, get in the gym, bro. You don't want me to be your doppelganger. <laughs> I just started Friday, so uh, I will. Okay. Amidst the corona, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Of course, man. Peter Rosenberg on Big Apple Buckets. And that's a wrap for episode 21. Charlie Ward number of Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer Jake Brown and our associate producer Alex Camarada for making this magic happen each and every week. Hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Rate us five stars. Write a nice review. I'll give you a hug when I see you if you do it. And as we do each and every week, we will catch you all next Tuesday on Big Apple Buckets. Stay safe out there. Carry hand sanitizer.